It seems like the West Virginia National Guard is helping with just about everything nowadays, from delivering food and supplies to organizing COVID testing and vaccine sites. The state's National Guard has a hand in it all, meaning they need profound communication and leadership. Today, we talk to the man who provides the two. William Bill Crane is the Brigadier General of the state's Guard. That's the military way of saying that he's the man in charge of the Guard's 6,800 members. It's a position that he assumed earlier this year when General James Hoyer stepped aside. So in today's episode, we break down the Guard's COVID response as well as why he originally joined the military. Hint, hint, it has a lot to do with the great people of West Virginia. So stick around, we've got a good one coming your way right now on the Mountaineer Media Podcast. does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Mountaineer Media, and I am joined today by my partner in crime, CJ Harvey. CJ, good morning. How are you? Doing well, doing well. We uh, great, very special guest today and really a guy that we weren't 100% sure that we were going to get when you put these emails out, these cold call emails out. You're not quite sure how you're always going to get a response. And we sent one to the National Guard. And yeah, man, we're, we're lucky, Coop. You kind of want to introduce our guest today. Yeah, absolutely. We're sitting down with General William Bill Crane, and he's the General of the National Guard or of the West Virginia National Guard. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Uh, great to be here. Looking uh, forward to, again, talking about uh, the great organization we have and all the great people we have in West Virginia National Guard. So on base, do they call you William or Bill? Or if they don't salute you and call you general, are they in trouble? Yeah. And like, do they have to do something? Well, I'm, I'm thankful that they have lots of regulations in the military and, and, and everybody knows those regs, generally speaking. And so they, <laughs> they tend to call me sir or, uh, or general. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's because that's what the reg says. So. Yeah, <laughs> we, we will call you. We, we are not in the military. So we'll call you general as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't, no trouble. We don't need any trouble. So, um, okay. well, so there's only 6,800 of us. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that because I think when it comes to mine, you know, it's to me like the West Virginia National Guard is something I've had a few neighbors in my neighborhood um, serve in it for for decades. So I've always kind of felt like I've somewhat been in the know about you know what you're up to. But I think if people stop and realize the true, just sweeping like responsibility and all the different projects and response, um, just different things that you all actually do for the state of West Virginia. Um, can you boil it down to a couple core areas of focus for people when, when you when they try to in their mind to think about what the guard actually does for the state? What are the core kind of things that you all do on an annual basis? So uh, the, as a National Guard, you know, we are uh, both uh, we we work for the governor uh, okay. until we're uh, mobilized. And then at that point, we work for the president of the United States. So we have both a federal and a state mission. So mm -hmm. uh, it under normal times, under peacetime, we work for the governor. And uh, so we respond to any kind of uh, natural or man-made disaster. And we also, uh, you know, under myself and, and previous tags, we look at how we can help drive, uh, you know, some economic development in the state. Uh, we even bring a lot of partners uh, throughout the country into West Virginia to train. 
Uh, we've been doing uh, a lot of agricultural stuff as well because uh, we know mm-hmm. that there are food deserts and are you know through the food banks and stuff we're always looking for fresh fruits and vegetables so we're, we're trying to to help drive some of that uh, through our uh, on the state side of our national mm-hmm. would you go as far to say that the covid response was maybe the most important response that the West Virginia National Guard has ever had? Or is it just one of those things that's like, all right, just it's the next thing that we have to help out with? Or, or do you think that this has just been something really incredible, but never before seen either? It, it is absolutely the longest uh, response we've ever had uh, mm-hmm. in the West Virginia National Guard. And, you know, we've had uh, up to 600 people uh, responding for this and been in every county in the, in the state of West Virginia. So that's, that's an unusual thing. Typically, we're going in to help with flood recovery or those kind of things. I, I would say that all of those things we do are critically important to the population. You know, we always want to get in there and, and make sure we can get the population back to as normal a life as possible after mm-hmm. an event like that. Uh, but this certainly has been the longest running uh, response we've had. Uh, incredible work with the local health department departments and you know the the counties and the state uh it's just been a true partnership uh throughout this event which is is something new to us i mean we've had every state agency really come together and coalesce around making sure we can help to get folks vaccinated make sure that folks uh have the supplies that they need uh, to ensure that they can stay safe during this pandemic and that's been truly one of the, you know, West Virginia kind of was in the spotlight, uh, you know, maybe eight or nine months ago when the vaccines were rolling out is that our our mobilization efforts around the vaccine and the cross coordination, like you just mentioned, between like the health department, the governor's initiative, and then you all stepping up and providing the logistical logistical support. Um, was that, you know, when, when you're sitting down, do you have like a, a war room of meetings and phone calls during that moment? Are you on the are you on the phone with the governor on a you know hourly, you know, daily basis? Like, what was that like when that first realized? hey here's the vaccine now you know what role do you all play in terms of like rolling it out how did that kind of those plans come to be yeah so we we take the direction from the governor and right. uh, and then from that we start developing those plans and i think the key thing that we did was we didn't wait for the federal government mm-hmm. and that's a core value i think that all west virginians have we don't sit around and wait for somebody to come and rescue us we exactly. we just start start making things happen and uh, that, that's what makes West Virginia so special in my mind is uh, we help each other out. We're, we, as neighbors, we help our neighbors. And, uh, and that's a big piece of what the National Guard does. We get in there and, and help folks. We're, we're really good at non-standard logistics. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how we are able to provide uh, you know, th- those supplies and get into those places and help make sure that things happen quickly because we can get stuff to where the need is uh, much quicker than most can make it happen. Your predecessor, James Hoyer, he kind of was in the spotlight from the second that all of this started. He was in press briefings and whatnot. And, and now you have assumed that role and, and kind of become a figurehead of, of sorts. Is this the most attention that the West Virginia National Guard has gotten really on a day-to-day basis? I, I would say that the uh, the National Guard in West Virginia, the population know us really well. And yeah. so we, we've always gotten uh, a significant amount of attention because of 
how we respond and how we go out and help. I, I mean, every time we've responded to a flood, I, I started out in, as an engineer officer. So I've been on a lot of, uh, of the flood duties over the years. Mm-hmm. And, and so people, we, we really calm them down when they see us showing up in our, our uh, camouflage vehicles. And uh, they, they know that the help help is there and they're, and they're very thankful that we show up and, and we help to uh, get them back to a normal life. It, it's true. I mean, you mentioned flood preparation because it does seem like when, you know, we're season and I are both native West Virginians. We kind of, every West Virginian feels like, yeah, we don't have any major, you know, national or tornadoes, disasters no that happen. Yeah. Like we're not, but, we're not hit by tornadoes or hurricanes, but flooding does is might be, you know, one of the most, I guess, dangerous threats um, to West Virginians. A lot of, a lot of creeks, a lot of hollers, you know, a lot of river banks. And I think we just read a, an articles in the New York times about West Virginia is somewhat maybe the most uh, prone, I guess, if we keep having increasingly bad storms and flood events to that, um, how does that, you know, when you all sit down and factor in like the flood flood preparation plans, obviously if we get to the point where we're not, you know, you never want to plan on having to rescue people. That's like in response to an actual event. What are some of the things that like, does the guard do in preparation to maybe proactively kind of combat that if that's in the future for West Virginia on an ongoing basis? So the, the thing I would say is that uh, when we train for our federal mission, our go to war mission, all of that preparation is what helps us to be really good at responding uh, during an event. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the Corps of Engineers and others have worked over, over many years where we had uh, constant flood events to, to start helping those folks either build their homes higher or go ahead and, and ask them to relocate and those kind of things. And so, you know, the, uh, the impact is, is, has been lessened, but, you know, when you have those uh, micro bursts, uh, three inches or so in any location, it has a lot of potential to be a real problem. And so, you know, we look at the whole state, we, we kind of regionalize mm-hmm. it uh, like, like with the emergency management division does as well. They look at the different, we have different regions and we just try to make sure we have the right equipment and we try to plan ahead. We, you know, we don't wait for that event. We're, we're always right. watching the weather. We're always working with our partners in emergency management. And if we see that there may be a potential, we go ahead and start moving uh, assets uh, to that location so we can get uh, in there quickly. And then if it doesn't happen, then we just pull it back and, and reset and get ready for the next event. Yeah. What was, what was the year, CJ, when the flood out towards like, the LFU pinch area, the other uh, oh, show? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Was it that the real bad one? Yeah, that was I mean, I mean, that was maybe regarded as a once in a hundred year event. But it seems like now, you know, micro versions of that could occur on a more regular basis. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm certain that, uh, you know, like I said, it, it's just a it's just a matter of being prepared. Mm-hmm. And if we don't we always lean forward uh, anytime we see those kind of weather events coming. We don't sit back and wait for folks to, to beg for us to show up. I mean, we, we're, we're ready. And we try to always tell all the county uh, emergency managers the same thing. Hey, look, we, we know you're the first response. You're the first ones on the scene. Uh, and when you can't, when it's beyond your capacity, just give us a call and we're, we're going to be there as quickly as you need us. You, you, you said that you've got about 6,800 members of the West Virginia National Guard, correct? How, how difficult is it to make sure that everybody's on the same page? You got one email chain going that everybody reads or like, how, how, how do you guys make sure that communication is crystal clear in those truly emergency situations? Well, I think the, the, the big piece of that is, is, 
is everybody understands what the intent is. Everybody understands the intent is to take care of our citizens and get them mm-hmm. back to normal as quick as possible. And, uh, you know, the great thing about the military that some people may not think is great, but we have a chain of command. We have a mm-hmm. chain of supervision through our NCO channels. And, you know, that those folks, they get the guidance and that, and they, they take it on down throughout the entire organization. And, but at the end of the day, it really is, you know, we, we could have a specialist down on the ground that understands that if he sees a problem that needs to be fixed, that he has the authority to do that, that to help that, that situation. So, uh, and, and, our folks, again, they're, they're just incredible, uh, great patriots and do great work for us every, every day. Yeah. Well, now that you have taken over this position that you're in and, you know, General Hoyer kind of stepped away, did, did, were you nervous? Were you like, oh, oh, God, OK, now it's, you know, now it's my vision and my guidance and my leadership that's kind of uh, taking the forefront for this uh, is that nerve wracking or is that one of those things? It's like, Hey, you've trained for your, your, your entire career. Yeah, I mean, I've, moments. I've trained for a long time. I've been uh, very fortunate to have a, a number of great mentors over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I have a great staff around me uh, that have helped me uh, to craft a, a, a good mission vision uh, for the organization and uh, lines of effort that we have that we want to want to get done. And uh, so, you know, as far as it being nerve wracking now, I think I think I was pretty prepared for it. I've uh, I've never taken any of the easy jobs in the in the organization. I've always had the hard ones. And uh, so, you know, I will tell you that in talking with General Hoyer, I mean, he and I still talk uh, Mm -hmm. pretty regularly. And uh, the one thing that he and I both agree on is there's there's no job that will prepare you for this job. Because it's just it, it, every day is just different. There's you never know what's coming at you that day. So, uh, but having a lot of experience, you know, I've got I'm heading on my 38th year uh, in the National Guard. Wow. And so, you know, I've got I've got a, a a lot of experiences over the years to to draw from. And again, the the people I have, I wouldn't want to lead any other National Guard. No, no other state would I want to have uh, command of the guard like I do in West Virginia, be, just because of the incredible people that we uh, are able to draw, even from other states, because they know how well we take care of them. And mm. by taking good care of them, they, they take good care of us and our, and our citizens. The West Virginia people know it's, I mean, talk to me. So you, I mean, we would need an episode two to go through your, your previous roles. You've like, I'm looking here on your bio, you're right. You, you have a great deal of experience. Now, when you were, let's zoom out a little bit from the guard and talk about you, know, when you were a young man and you were planning your career, what were some of the things that you were, um, did you like, did you grow up in West Virginia and then what you, what got you into wanting to serve your country, serve your state, that sort of thing. Cause I've seen, you've been, you spent some time overseas in Iraq and it looks like you went through uh, Glenville state college. Like what were some of the early kind of goals and then how, did that career planning kind of play out over time? So, uh, you know, I, I showed up, uh, I, I had no intention of going to college initially and okay. my parents, uh, and, and I really had some teachers uh, in my high school that were, uh, really good mentors about telling me, uh, you know, you, you need to go to college. And, uh, so they kind of convinced me and my parents, uh, told me, Hey, look, you know, if you want to go to college, here's the only way. So I show up, from, from high school one day, I'm 17 years old, and there's a recruiter sitting there at the table for the West Virginia National Guard. So, you know, it wasn't a plan that I had. It, had, it was a plan my parents had for me. I got you. And uh, it, it's worked out great. 
And uh, so, yeah, I, I went into college initially. I wanted to be an art major. I thought I was pretty good at drawing and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, went through that for a little while and realized there are people that were a heck of a lot better at it. <laughs> and uh, so I changed over to, to, to chemistry. Uh, my okay. dad worked at a chemical plant, uh, Union Carbide at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just switched over to, uh, to do the chemistry thing and got my degree in chemistry. And fortunately, I worked uh, at that same plant for about five years. And uh, during that time, I was able to work in research and development, came up with, you know, three, three ideas that ended up being patented. And that was uh, a good deal. And again, another great team of people that we had working there. But once I was in the guard, I, I just felt man, I I always felt drawn to it. You know, I I always felt like that, that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, and quite honestly, I took a heck of a pay cut when I left being a chemist to to be (laughs) full time in the, in the guard, but it it, it was worth every, every penny Mm -hmm. that I lost because, you know, in the, in the long run, I've made up for it. And it's really about serving uh, our state. I mean, that, that for me has been what I've really gotten out of it. And so, you know, I, I was an E5, you know, I was enlisted before I became an officer and I, I got to be an E5. And I decided that, uh, at that point, believe it or not, I, I wanted to be the adjutant general. And so I made the change and became an officer and started working towards that goal. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Okay. This is, this is a little crazy though. I want to go back to your college story because for a guy that didn't want to go to school, you went from art and then chemistry. That's not exactly the degree you walk in and walk out of and just like they hand you the sheet of paper. So like, okay, that's a very, that's a change of mindset you had there. So, you know, what, do you kind of remember even like what the switch was? Was it sophomore year? You're like, you know what, this chemical thing. It's uh, it, cool, it, was my, it was my freshman year. Yeah, I, it was early. Oh, I saw, I saw again, how, how good some of the folks were. And, uh, I, I was, I was always been, I've always been really good in math. And, uh, so I just decided that, uh, and, and you'd be surprised though, because you kind of have to see things in your, in your mind and, mm-hmm. uh, visualize them and in art and also in, in chemistry. So that, that was kind of a helpful skill, I guess. And so it transitions a little better than you would imagine. Hola friends, Cooper here for another quick break here on the Mountaineer Media Podcast. And I wanna talk to you about our partners. These are not your traditional ad reads that annoy you and that are not relevant to your life. These are our partnership announcements. And we have two that I wanna talk about. Let's start with Ray's Rub. Ray's Rub is an original West Virginia recipe that has like 21 different components. It's a family recipe from Brody uh, Prudnick. He's a great guy. His father started it decades ago and he's carrying on the legacy and it goes great great with beef, chicken, anything else you're cooking. So go to Amazon and it'll be at your house the next two days, I think. You can order it maybe the next day, depending on where you live. Order it, it's delicious. Again, it goes on everything and it's called Raise Rub. So search that on Amazon and a big bottle for 15, no, it's not even that. It's $12 for a huge premium bottle that you'll just have flavorful food for months to come. So get that out. It's a lot of grilling this summer and uh, you'll be the guy or gal that impresses everybody with the Raise rub. So let's also talk about Mountaineer Employment Solutions. Do you need a job? Because if you do, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't go over to BeAMountaineer.com. BeAMountaineer.com is where you'll find information about the different openings that they're working with small businesses on. So whether that's a general labor, 
dental hygienist, you know, whatever it may be, go over there, see if they can find a job for you. If you're also listening to this and you're like, you know what, Cooper, I don't need a job. I'm actually a business owner. Great. That's beautiful. Do you have to hire employees? Boom. Mountaineer Employment Solutions will help you do that. They will hire them. They will do the admin work, the payroll, the background checks, all the nitty gritty stuff that you don't have time for. They will help you do that. So again, same website, go to beamountaineer.com and get a conversation started with Julia or Bill or any other team members over at Mountaineer Employment Solutions, and they will help set you up. They're incredible people. They're employing West Virginia and they're making dreams come true in the mountain state. So we're so appreciative of Raise Rub, Mountaineer Employment Solutions, and of course, Mountaineer Roasting Company and Mr. B, because these are not our ad reads. These are our proud partners. We truly, truly believe in that. They support us and we want to pass this value along to you and your family and your friends or whoever the heck else you think uh, would find this beneficial so put them onto it bmountaineer.com shop raise rub on amazon sorry for repeating but it helps you remember it and they're awesome so please support them all right guys i will quit rambling let's get right back to the episode General Crane, talk to because we have a lot of young listeners. You know, I would say some folks even, you know, that are maybe 18, you know, 19, 20 years old that, you know, they could see their future um, in the guard. Talk to us about the process of joining and then maybe also the, because it look, it drew someone like you who kind of identified as a creative person who then went into chemistry, who then now is a, you know, logistical supply chain military general, right? So, I mean, to me, that instantly says, wow, it's like there's a home for a lot of different minds and skill sets within the Guard because of the vast number of projects that you all take on. So for folks listening to this podcast, maybe if you could speak on a little bit about what it's like to join the Guard, like what are some of the kind of the commitments and that sort of thing, but then also what are the different maybe possibilities of where you can take your career within the Guard? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because just like any organization, we need great people. And one of my lines of effort is, is increasing our inclusion and, and diversity piece. And, you know, that uh, we, we need to make sure that we have a, a great opportunities for every individual that joins our organization. We, we owe them a safe environment where they can learn and grow and, and become everything they want to be. And so, uh, you know, from, from joining, it's just a matter of talking to the recruiters and mm-hmm. they'll, they'll get you started. They'll let you know what kind of, uh, jobs we have available. I mean, we have everything from administrative to, uh, as we've talked about, logistical engineering, uh, folks that want to go out and fire, uh, you know, Paladins, which is our, our field artillery, or even Bradley's and, and be more of the infantry role. I mean, we, we have uh, almost every skill set you'd have in the civilian uh, area We're, we have in the, in the National Guard. And being able to, to join and learn your craft and translate that into the civilian, you know, there are always people out there in the civilian community looking for people that are drug free, that know how to show up one time and, and put in a good hard day's work. And uh, that, that's, that's what we kind of teach folks uh, mm-hmm. discipline uh, to make sure they can manage themselves first and foremost. Now, let me ask you this when, um, 
when you're abroad, when you've spent time abroad, how, you know, I'm sure you wore West Virginia on your chest, right? So many people, once they hear if you're from West Virginia, and if you, gosh, if you run into another West Virginian, even if you're at a state, it's like running into like a family friend or someone that you've known your whole life. Do you have any experiences or did you, have you run into anybody when you've been out and you find yourself, you know, somehow feeling like you're talking about West Virginia, like an old friend? Like, I feel like that happens more often than not than West Virginians, especially if you're walking through an airport with the flying of on, no doubt you're going to get someone to shout across to you. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, I've, as you said, I've been all over the world and almost every place I've been, I've bumped into somebody from West Virginia. And a lot of times they may be on active duty or, or some other job, but I will tell you the one thing almost every one of them has said to me is, man, I wish I could come home. Oh, wow. And, you know, we have to make sure that we're working hard every day to give folks the opportunity so they can come here and raise their families and do those things uh, to make sure they have great opportunities for themselves and their families. And so that, that to me always struck me really uh, uh, as something that we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can for them because uh, we can't continue to be a great exporter of people. You know, right. uh, we, we, we talk about our fan base following the, the team all the time for WPU and that, mm-hmm. but really what's happening is the folks are already there and they're just still identify very strongly with their state. And uh, so I, I think that's a big piece of what we owe uh, the folks is to make sure they have those opportunities to stay here uh, and, and joining our organization is, is a big piece of, of being able to provide that opportunity for them. And, you know, the, the, our state legislature and, and governor, they, they passed a bill that allows uh, military retirement is not taxed by the state of West Virginia. Mm. And I don't know that we've gotten that message out really well to, to where people are, can come back here. Uh, and, you know, that's a pretty good pay, pay bump if you think about it, because they're yeah. not taxed that. So, uh, if we can, we, we need to continue to get that word out so we can get those folks to come back to the state of West Virginia and uh, continue to have an opportunity to, to stay here and, and live here. It's a very noble thing that you're talking about right now, you know, making sure that uh, people want to come back and giving people the opportunity to come back. And I'm not sure that maybe that's a directive from the the West or the the United States National Guard at the, the highest level, but at the West Virginia National Guard level, okay, maybe one of the unwritten rules is like, okay, let's try and make this place a, a great place to live for anybody oh, wow. who wants to come and live here, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we 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 have a, you know, the, the governor says it all the time. We, we are truly a diamond in the rough. And we have so many great places in our state. It's such a beautiful state. The mm-hmm. people are just fabulous. And so, you know, it, it's just a matter of having the opportunities so people don't have to leave. And uh, there, there are lots of jobs here. And sometimes I don't know that we're doing a great job of connecting the people to the job or the education piece of it to ensure they can do that job. The, the, we have tremendous folks that know how to do those things. We just have to make sure we're giving them the opportunity to be educated and then take those opportunities and, so they can stay here in West Virginia. 
General, I think you had a, a great point there because, um, you know, in my professional work, I do, I'm a director of communications for a financial advising shop, right? So my core job is communicating financial literacy, you know, communicating the, the ideals and values of our company to help people successfully retire. So when I instantly think of a, um, a dilemma, a problem, an opportunity, a business, I think about, okay, how is it marketing itself? How is it branding itself? How is it communicating these ideals and values outwardly in order to grow their brand? and attract business. Now, when I think about West Virginia, like you just mentioned, we and we could go through the list of, I mean, our guests that we've been fortunate enough to get on, Brad Smith, John Chambers, you know, Lane Dow, Eugene Murphy, Steve Murphy, all the incredible West Virginians that have done Homer Hickam we've had on the podcast. They've done incredible things. But I think and I don't know how and who is, you know, chiefly responsible for this, but it's almost like if you think of West Virginia, like, man, we could be the East Coast Colorado. I think what Colorado did extremely well is brand themselves as an outdoor playground outwardly to the rest of the nation and the world, because now even if you've never even remotely been to Colorado, you kind of just have this in your mind of, oh, that's just where a lot of fun stuff is happening, outdoor stuff, you know, all this cool, cool things going on. That's with intention, maybe by the state government, maybe by the private sector, maybe a combination of the both. So when I see West Virginia, I see, or when I think about West Virginia in our future, one, I see the incredible people. And you're right, we have immensely talented people that are the most hardworking, humble, passionate, you know, folks that want to have, you know, want to work and they want to build a life in West Virginia. I don't think there's, in my opinion, enough internal communication to like to fellow West Virginians that, hey, you don't have to leave to start that business or, you know, start a family or, or live a productive, you know, life in this modern world. You can do that in West Virginia to keep our people here and just instill some sort of pride and you know, um, just general feeling of, Hey, this is a good, this is a good place to be. I'm not settling because I'm staying in West Virginia. But then secondly, our population is declining. We have to think about, wait a second, like we need to have more, we need to welcome. If someone wants to move here from Ohio, if they want to move here from Texas, West Virginia should welcome them with open arms, right? Cause we need it to preserve our state. Um, so I think of it as a communications problem, but you know, hey, look, we could look at it as an opportunity. Partly why we founded this, this media podcast, this group is to tell these stories of influential West Virginians, but also think like well, there's a, there is the stuff going on here. It doesn't have to, we don't have to start it over from scratch. It's just a matter of communicating and, and showing and showcasing what is in the state. And I think if we do that and you all are doing it from your end, I think it comes from a private sector, government, National Guard, giant collaboration effort. I think if we do that, that will help, I think, push the state forward a little bit, at least in the minds of folks, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I think having the, the, the newest national park uh, is certainly an opportunity that uh, we're going to be able to get the word out and communicate that. And, you know, I, I know that uh, as I go to the cabinet meetings, uh, there, there's a lot of effort going in mm -hmm. to bringing folks to West Virginia, both for the tourism piece, but also for the, the you know, to do work here, to do the, uh, the gig economy kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I know we're, there's, you know, as the governor announced the, the billion dollars for broadband. I think that's a, a significant step in ensuring that we can have the, the broadband requirement to allow that economy to happen. And so I, I think there's some really great things coming. Uh, you know, the Hyperloop uh, announcement yes. was made and that that's going to be an incredible thing over there. Uh, so there, there's a lot of folks that with the pandemic response that we had, 
have taken notice to West, of West Virginia and how we do business here. And so I think there's, uh, there's a potential to, to see a lot, of, a lot of the things that where the people are leaving is to get them to people start coming to West mm-hmm. Virginia. So uh, I, I agree with you. We've just got to take all those, those opportunities that come for. I mean, anytime there's a problem, I agree with you. That, that's an opportunity. If somebody presents me with a problem, I, I don't sit around and, and bemoan the fact that we have a problem. We, 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 we work on how, how do we fix it? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm a person of action. It drives me crazy to just sit around and talk about stuff. I mean, that's right. makes things happen. Even if it ends up being wrong, at least we've done something and we can adjust from there and make something else happen. But, uh, you know, just sitting around talking about it isn't, isn't making anything happen. Yeah. And you had just mentioned it, the new broadband plan that the governor just rolled out a billion dollar plan. Where does the National Guard kind of fit in in the implementation of that? Well, really, we don't have a, a significant role other mm-hmm. than uh, if, if we have folks that want to be employed to help you know, install that. Uh, we, we certainly look at any opportunities to to keep our, you know, you know most of my folks are part time. Uh, soldiers or airmen. And so they're look, they have to have a, a civilian occupation. And so anytime we have some of our, our young or even our mid grade or seniors uh, looking for another opportunity, we want to try to connect them to that opportunity. We have a, an employer support the guard and reserve uh, representative here. And I, I use him in a, in a way to help connect employers and, and potential employees uh, because, the, you know, everybody should always be looking for those better opportunities. And we have a lot of them in West Virginia. Uh, there are thousands of jobs available. It's just a matter of connecting the people to the, to the employer. Yeah, absolutely. When you, General, when you look out, when you look out the rest of the year, we come out of 2021, it feels like we're hopefully emerging out of this pandemic. You know, it, it's hard to, it's hard to predict an end to this, this thing that's rolled on now for what, 18 months. What are some of the things that you've kind of identified and you're optimistic about maybe that the pandemic had a silver lining on that maybe allowed you to sharpen your blade on certain operational aspects? Like what are you most excited about now on executing on these things? Um, and I like, you know, your main of action. I would agree with that. I love, I love when people are just, Hey, look, let's do this. Like, even if let's, let's march in this direction, if we're wrong, we'll figure out what we'll course correct and adjust. That's better than sitting around saying, well, this should happen or this could happen. What are some of those things that you want to execute? on now as you step into this role as general, um, you know, for the next couple of years? Well, I, I think it's all about the people of West Virginia. And I think we all have to always remember that. And I think under the governor's direction, we have a great cabinet uh, that, that are working hard every day on his vision. And what's nice is we, through the pandemic, we've all come a lot closer to each other. We know each other's capabilities. Working with uh, Secretary Crouch of DHHR, you know, Secretary Jeff Sandy with uh, Department of Homeland Security, you know, Secretary uh, Mitch Carmichael for Economic Development. You know, so we we have all of that connective tissue now, mm-hmm. and we're just a lot closer as a cabinet. And we all are get we all get along really well. We're not we're not in these turf wars, uh, right? all. And so having a unified uh, cabinet that is working really hard to make sure that the governor is getting uh, everything he needs out of us to ensure that, that the citizens of West Virginia have you know, better opportunities and that we're there when 
those natural disasters occur, you know, and, and we can help all of those local and county and state officials to make sure that, that we're taking care of our people. Because at the end of the day, I know that's what the governor really is after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about some of the national headlines and get your take on a couple of things. Um, sad story just coming out the other day about Colin Powell. He passed. Did you have any kind of relationship with him or did you ever run into him over in throughout your years? I, I never ran into him, but I will tell you, I've read a lot of his stuff mm-hmm. in my mind. He's a great example of, of what we have in West Virginia as well. You know, here's a, a, a guy that grew up in, in Harlem, uh, went through public school, got mm-hmm. you know, pub, public school and college and, uh, and rose to the highest levels. And, you know, he was he had a lot of great leadership examples that I really tried to pay attention to and, and learn from. Uh, and, and one of those being, you know, he was very self-deprecating. He, he had no problem saying, Hey, I, I did this or that. And it wasn't, it, it was kind of silly of me to do that. Uh, and the other thing I, I, have really tried to follow, uh, one of his things was, you know, get angry and then get over it. Yeah. Get angry yeah. and get over it because I like that. staying mad doesn't, it, you're not fixing anything by being mad. You know, so so get angry. Let people know you're angry, and uh, and then get over it. Let's let's get after the problem and and fix it. So you know, he was a true statesman in my mind, and uh, that I, I learned a lot from him uh, in watching and reading stuff that that he's he's written over the years. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to ask you about, it seems like there's been so many trickle effects from COVID. And one of them talking about right now is the supply chain issue. Ships are hundreds of feet off, feet off the coast, anchored down. They can't come into the port. The ports are closed. They can't get, you know, shipping containers anywhere. How does that kind of impact you, even at the local level for the West Virginia National Guard? Or does it really at all? Uh, it, it, uh, it, it, I mean, it can, but really we haven't seen a, a huge impact from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, I, I think it really should make us all think about our supply chains and, uh, you know, how, uh, how dependent we are on those supply chains and how fragile they really are. Yeah. Uh, and I think we have to always be looking at it from a national security perspective. That, that's my opinion. Uh, and making sure that we have uh, appropriate uh, stocks or manufacturing for things that we may need during a pandemic or whatever, uh, whatever natural or man-made disaster we may have. Uh, we, we just want to make sure we're prepared to make, to take care first and foremost for me is the citizens of West Virginia. And then beyond that, uh, it would be the country, but, you know, just like we've talked about as West Virginians, the minute this happened, we started looking at manufacturing of uh, PPE general Hoyer, uh, led the charge on that. And uh, it's it, it made a huge difference. We can uh, make our own uh, free fly masks and, and other things right now. That, so it's, uh, we, we just have to make sure that we can, we can take care of ourselves at the end of the day and not rely on others uh, to hold back those supplies when we really need them. Yeah. Hopefully we don't run into toilet paper again. That was, uh, <laughs> that one was bothersome. Yeah. Yeah, that hurt a lot of people, I think. So. Well, look, General Crane, we'll, we'll let you get back to serving the great people of West Virginia. We'll let you maybe a few questions, some rapid fire questions that you probably don't get asked on other media uh, outlets, but um, just get your opinion on something. Um, and we'll conclude it here. Coffee, coffee or tea in the morning? Coffee. 
What goes on a West Virginia hot dog? Well, for Your me, for me, it's going to be sauce, slaw, and onion. <laughs> Favorite place to explore in West Virginia? Uh, I, I think Fayette, Fayette County is uh, is really a, a great place to to run around. Lots of trails, lots of great sites throughout Fayette County. All right, last one. Most pepperoni rolls that you've had in one day? <laughs> probably one bag from the Go Mart. Yeah. <laughs> in Morgantown, probably. Maybe at a yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, General Crane, thank you for spending time with us. Thank you um, again for being a great advocate of West Virginia, for being a leader, for uh, representing the people of our state well and serving them. As you mentioned, it is all about our people. We have some of the best people that you'll find. Um, any West Virginia will tell you that, but even folks from outside of our state will tell you that the West Virginia people are one of a kind. So we greatly appreciate you jumping on here and, and talking about all the, the work that the Guard does. And uh, we'll certainly follow along and we wish you the best. Okay. Hey, thank you both uh, for what you're doing. I think it's uh, it's great to have a very positive uh, show in this uh, environment of uh, constant battles and conflict. So uh, appreciate what you all are doing and look, look forward to maybe talking to you again in the future. Thanks. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, John. Thank you. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. We sincerely thank General Crane for joining us on the pod today. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that conversation from just getting some background knowledge on the logistics and the handling of the Guard's 6,800 members and how General Crane kind of goes about day-to-day business and making sure that all corners of the state of West Virginia are taken care of and, you know, ready to go for any scenario, whether it's a flood or COVID, you know, that they're not just reacting, but being very proactive with what might happen. So, General Crane, thank you again for joining us, and we really enjoyed that, and best of luck to you and your guys. For everybody else that's still listening, make sure to head over to our website, mountaineermedia.org. We've got some new merch. You can check out our latest blogs as well. And hey, if you have a guest recommendation, shoot it our way. We love to connect with people and just get various perspectives from people all over the state of West Virginia. So make sure to shoot us a note on any social media platform or our email mountaineermediapodcast at gmail.com. You can shoot us a note and we'll definitely get back to you as well. So, okay. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll be back next week. See you.